In this episode, we're going to talk about a little bit of everything as I bid farewell to several notable personalities who passed away in the last week. We're also going to talk about music from Old 97's Extreme, Mammoth WVH, Beth Bambara, Gord Downey, and Bob Rock, and the movies Asteroid City and Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon Heart, which is the new Venture Brothers movie. So we got a lot of ground to cover. Let's get right to it. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Check-In. Hello, Checkmates. It is your very world-weary Uncle Derek coming to you here on a night that is actually uh, nicely cooling down. We're getting some cool weather here in St. Louis after uh, an insane heat wave that just made my life interesting over the past week. Uh, It's finally cooling down, and we're getting a little bit of a—just a kiss of autumnal weather before we uh, we hit— what is bound to be another surge in temperatures. Uh, I think we're going to be in the 90s here on the weekend, but, you know, we get a little bit of a break before that. Uh, I like autumn. I, I can't wait for for autumn weather. I like autumn. And I like the fact that even right now in August, there's uh, there are autumnal beers, like seasonal beers, that are out in the uh, beer places. Uh, <laughs> stores, I guess you would call those. Uh, there's, a uh, like right now I'm drinking Schlafly's Oktoberfest beer. Really good beer. That's one of my favorite Schlafly beers. I like the, uh, I like the autumn line of beers that people put out. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery has a couple that are great. They have a, a wonderful Oktoberfest. My current favorite non-Guinness beer, I think, is theirs, and it's their autumn ale, which is, uh, just a nice brown ale. I like a good brown ale. Not, not enough brown ales being served in the States, uh, especially since Newcastle changed hands and changed the formula and became crap. Um, actually, you know what? That's not fair. Newcastle is still a pretty good brown ale. It's just not Newcastle anymore. They may as well have changed the name because it's not the same at all. Uh, I miss old Newcastle, even though I enjoy the taste of current Newcastle, which everybody stopped carrying because, uh, everyone's mad about Newcastle, you know, having changed. Uh, drinking a Schlafel Oktoberfest, uh, enjoying it, enjoying the Oktoberfest beers that are already hitting the, the, uh, the shelves and the, the autumn ale that I, I keep buying the, the autumn ale. I go in every week and I buy another six pack of autumn ale. It's, I'm, I, I want it to last me for until this time next year, but, uh, it, it obviously can't. Um, but yeah, just, there's some cool beers that are coming out. I like autumn for that. I like autumn for the cooler weather. You can walk around in a flannel shirt and nobody thinks that you're trying to, resurrect grunge fashion you're just comfortable in a flannel shirt you know uh and really did did grunge fashion ever go away i don't think it did i mean jeans t-shirt and a shirt over the top of the t-shirt that that seems like it's always basically in style it's how i've always dressed so i've dressed for my entire life roughly you know except when i was a kid and had no agency over it and mom for some reason put me in biker shorts for a while uh, there are pictures from my childhood, just like body glove style, like pro wrestling tight biker shorts, which actually didn't bother me that much because I, I loved pro wrestling even as a kid. But, uh, 
those uh, they're not not the most flattering of pants. Even on a child, it's kind of what are you, what are the kids' parents doing? These things don't leave a lot to the imagination. What are they doing? Uh, but since I have been able to choose my own pants, I've uh, I've kind of I've kind of dressed grunge since before it was even grunge. I think I just uh, comfortable like that, and I'm looking forward to autumn being here and getting to do that and break out my scarves, make some more scarves on my loom and walk around with, you know, handing people scarves. Here, have a scarf. And scarf for you. Scarves for everyone. Scarves for all. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But we're just getting a little bit of a taste of that here this week. Just a little little taste of autumn. It's going to be, I think there's one or two days this week that we're not quite going to hit 80, and I'm really looking forward to those days. That's my favorite kind of temperature range. So that's... That's how things are going. That's your St. Louis weather report, I guess. And uh, St. Louis beer report, I guess. <laughs> I gave you, gave you a few things there. Um, but we did have a heat wave leading into that, and that created an interesting time for me. It's been, been kind of a rough week, I'm going to be honest with you. My car went back into the shop. That's a thing that happened. My car went back into the shop. Uh, they looked at it and did something that is a... Uh, sort of, they referred to it as a gamble, like one of those things that if it works, I'm going to be singing their praises to everybody and telling them what a great shop I have, and if it doesn't work, uh, I'm going to be cursing their names, you know, which I actually won't, because they told me up front that this is a gamble. Uh, we had to do a gamble, which basically was replacing my entire timing chain, uh, which is costly, and... The less said about that, the better, I think. Um, but it it uh, it seems to be running okay for now. But the things that we've done previous have had it running okay for now, for like a month at a time, and then it goes haywire again. So we'll see how long it goes. We'll keep an eye on the oil level and all that, and, and just see what happens. Um, so that happened. That happened sort of early last week, and then we hit our, we hit our big heat wave and whatnot, and 100 degree weather and stuff, and... On the first day of that, like the same day that I take the car into the shop and, you know, get it there, my air conditioner went out. Just stopped cooling. The uh, blower would blow, but the outside unit wasn't spinning, which is a sign of a uh, burned-out capacitor, which is what it was. And fortunately, we've got a guy who came over and, and made short work of that, got it up and running again. But because it was 100 degrees outside, it took the house until almost midnight to cool back down to normal. You know, it's it just little stuff like that. And in the meantime there, I also didn't have a car, and I ran out of ibuprofen, and I had to get ibuprofen, so I had to walk to a, uh, a Walgreens to buy ibuprofen. Uh, which I don't, I don't do a lot of walking, but I, I walked, you know, home from the shop, from the auto shop where I left my car. I live pretty close to that. Walked home from that. A little bit later in the day, uh, I really need ibuprofen. My back is killing me. So I walk to Walgreens and I get ibuprofen and a can of liquid death. Murder your thirst. And, uh, I, I, I walk back and that, that, I just felt like I was going to die. Actually, you know what? I didn't feel like I was going to die. I felt like I did die and then had to walk home from Walgreens. That's how that felt on that particular day in that heat. But the, uh, the liquid death did, in fact, murder my thirst. Uh, still not a sponsorship deal with them, but I'm clearly willing to be bought. Liquid death. I will, I will murder anyone's thirst that you ask me to. Uh, yeah, so uh, hot car in the shop. Just kind of a bad week. 
and you know wasn't wasn't going great all around and then you kind of get you start to get news popping up of a bunch of people who recently passed away and we're going to hit that as brief as we can here in the intro just talk about some notable celebrities who have sadly passed on this week um on what was it i guess on uh uh wednesday the world got word that uh professional wrestler terry funk had passed away uh for those of you who subscribe to the show on whatever platform you su- you subscribe to it on i did a brief upload from my phone just talking about the first two guys i'm going to talk about here and uh uh you can listen to that in full so i'm going to keep this fairly short if you don't subscribe to the show, you really should. Uh, you should su- subscribe to it on a podcasting app of your choosing or Spotify or what what have you. Because, uh, one, it's helpful to you because you will hear uploads that don't get posted to the blog or to my social accounts. Uh, but also, uh, it helps the show. It helps the show if you subscribe and press like on stuff. It probably also helps if you comment, but I will never see the comments. The only comments I read are the ones that are emailed to me. Uh, but it helps the show quite a bit. Helps the visibility if you subscribe and like. So please, you know, like, share, subscribe—that kind of thing, uh, or else. Um, but yeah, when, uh, word word started going out that Terry Funk had passed away, and that made me sad. But uh, t- uh, Terry Funk was uh, seventy-nine years old and had lived the hard life of a wrestler, so it made you know, some degree of sense. Yeah, and I'd heard that he was in a uh, retirement home for a while prior to that. and But yeah, it still made me sad, because Terry Funk was just one of those guys who was a legendary name, one of the best to, to ever put on a pair of boots. Is sadly going to be remembered as one of the innovators of hardcore wrestling, which I think, if he... I, I, I don't think he would be fully happy with that as his legacy. I think he would be happy to be remembered as a really badass heel, that you know, a, 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 you know, dirty tricks kind of guy. I think he'd be happy to be remembered as that. I don't know that he would be happy to be remembered as a guy who created a version of wrestling that looks really dangerous, but in the, in the fact that no one ever dies doing it, you can tell is really fake. You know, like I, I think he would be upset about that, uh, or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know Terry. I didn't know Terry. I guess I should say, I should say, but he was uh, he was a great great wrestler. Uh, my brother met him once. Maybe we'll get him to tell that story on the show sometime. Actually, I think he might have told that story on the show one time. Like, maybe the first time I interviewed him for something. Uh, he might have done that already. He might have already told that story. But, um, yeah, Terry Funk. I just always liked Terry Funk. It made me happy that there was a Terry Funk in this world, and, and there no longer is. So that, that made me sad. And And while the wrestling fans of the world... And, you know, anybody who likes wrestling, or people who are involved with it, industry people, as we're all still thinking about Terry Funk and missing Terry Funk, the shocking news goes out that Wyndham Rotunda, better known as Bray Wyatt, had also passed away suddenly of a heart attack. And uh, further details have come out on that since. He had COVID that exacerbated a heart condition. Word came out today that he apparently died while taking a nap after... Having, and I, I don't know if this is true. I believe this is true because of the sources that have reported it, but I'm not sure where they got it from. So just a disclaimer there. But the word going around is that he, like that morning, had seen a doctor who recommended he have an electric defibrillator uh, with him. And uh, he took a nap and did not have the defibrillator on and uh, had a heart attack and passed away. 
Uh, that's all very sad. And whatever you want to say about any aspect of that is up to you, I guess. I'm going to say it's very sad. And very sad that a 36-year-old man with uh, a fiancé and with children and with uh, many family members and many fans and many friends, uh, that he passed away so suddenly in what really should have been the peak of his life and the peak of his career and uh, was such a creative force, such a creative mind, still reeling from that and still seeing wrestling tributes, you know, wrestlers paying tribute to him and saying things about him and video clips going out about him that are still choking me up a little bit to watch because that's just such a shocking thing. Um, and it's always, it always feels a little bit silly to get, you know, that choked up about someone you didn't know, but at the same time, you just start thinking about all the things that happened in your life while you watched that guy's match, you know, and it just kind of, it's short, man. It can be really short, and that's, uh, that's a reminder of that. On the flip side of that, we lost somebody who had a very long time. Uh, at 99 years old, Bob Barker passed away. Also a wrestling connection there, because Bob hosted an episode of Monday Night Raw and was by far the most beloved guest host that has ever come to Monday Night Raw. Uh, but Bob Barker, of course, the legendary host of uh, The Price is Right, he, uh, he passed away at, at the age of 99. That makes all kinds of sense to me. The joke that absolutely all of us immediately made was uh, Bob got as close to 100 as he could without going over. It's a good joke. It's a little bit tasteless, but I think he'd be happy with it. If you're my age or, or, or younger, up until Drew Carey started hosting that thing, you did not spend a single sick day without watching Bob Barker make some lady play Plinko. You know, that's like, he, he was just a part of all of our lives. He was a part of all of our sick days. He was a part of all of our lives. I, I mean, I definitely knew people and know people who still uh, DVR every episode of The Price is Right and, and just love that show. And it's, I have, a, I have a cat objecting in the background. I don't know if you can hear that. Uh, Mr. McGuire has thoughts. Do you not like The Price is Right, buddy? Do you want to watch The Price is Right? Is that what's going on? Okay, just stare at the wall. That's fine. Um, we all, uh, I mean, that shows, there's a lot to love about that show, and every time I think about it, I just go back in time to being, you know, a kid, sick with whatever I was sick with, sit, sitting in my grandma's bedroom, watching The Price is Right, you know? That's that, that's a nice memory. And uh, definitely miss Bob Barker, gonna miss him, gonna miss his impact, uh, but his impact lives on, because that show is still going. Uh, just feels natural at some point during this to say spay and neuter your pets. So you know, do that. It's it's a good thing to do, and adopt. Don't shop while you're at it. And then, just what I, I think a day ago, as I'm recording this, we also heard of another big name to me that passed away, Arlene Sorkin, who was the original voice of Batman's Harley Quinn on Batman the Animated Series. By the way, one or two of the tributes that I've seen to her go into more detail and reminded me of something. Uh, Arlene was not just the original voice of Harley Quinn. She was the inspiration for Harley Quinn because she was on uh, The Days of Our Lives prior to that and played a clown character that looked a lot like Harley Quinn and, of course, had Arlene Sorkin's voice. And uh, when Joker needed a mall for one of the episodes... They slotted in that character design and and gave uh, gave her Arlene's voice and the full name Harlene Quinzel. Arlene, Harlene. She was, like, without 
Arlene Sorkin, that character doesn't exist. She was Harley Quinn. And uh, I don't know, it's hard to it's hard to state how big of a loss, like how deeply I felt that, because I, I love Batman the Animated Series. You might remember when uh, Kevin Conroy, who voiced Batman on that show, died uh, last year, I uploaded a thing where I said that he was my Batman. Like, Batman died that day, as far as I was concerned, because Kevin Conroy was my Batman, and Arlene Sorkin was Harley Quinn. Just inseparably was Harley Quinn. Even though I think Margot is a fantastic actress, Arlene Sorkin was Harley Quinn, the definitive Harley Quinn, there will never be another. I don't know, I just wanted to say that, and say that I hope that the first thing that she did was get to the other side, find Kevin Conroy, hit him with a fish, and tell him that Mr. J says hello. You know, I, I hope that's the first thing that she did before just embracing the guy, and I don't know, that's kind of nice to think about. You know, sometimes when I'm playing with John Co., I call him Mr. J. Just while I'm playing with him, Mr. J. <laughs> and he looks at me blankly because he's a cat. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm going to miss Arlene Sorkin. I loved that voice. I loved that character. Uh, so we got all of that covered. We still have a lot of show to do, but I want to at least touch on that and say rest in peace to those very gamut-running personalities and Terry Funk, Wyndham Rotunda slash Bray Wyatt, Bob Barker, and Arlene Sorkin. May they all rest in peace. They all made me very happy in one way or another, and I'm, I'm sad to hear of each of their loss. Uh, folks, before we play the music and get into like an actual segment, I should tell you that there are some websites of interest if you like the show. If you do like the show, there's a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. I post additional photos and some more information and stuff there with each episode. The episode itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. You can listen to it there. You can listen to it on the blog. You can listen to it on your podcast app of choice. Please try to listen to it on your app of choice and like, share, and subscribe. It really helps the show. Uh, if you want to know more about me, go on over to DerekBrink.com. Lots of stuff to click on there, mostly about my music career. And speaking of my music career, if you like the music that you hear throughout the show, you can download it all for absolutely free over at DerekBrink.Bandcamp.com. Just enter zero or more as your purchase price, and you can have it. I don't collect your email address. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. And if you want to talk to me, if you want to hear my thoughts, if you want to tell me your thoughts, the best way to do that is to email db at derekbrink.com. That's my initials, db at derekbrink.com. And I reply to everyone who isn't mean to me in their email. In summary of the last several times we did this, I've been a little upset and nervous, but I think things are looking up. A lot of stuff happened and it's pretty hard to summarize. Had a lot to accept and a lot I had to realize. Long story short, I've remembered what I liked about love. Just walking around with oh, checkmates as I have a gently meowing cat in the background of this episode. I don't know how much of that you'll hear. I'm using a pretty good microphone now, but I I I keep hearing it and it keeps kinda getting my attention, but uh, as, as the cat keeps meowing, we've got quite a bit of music that I want to talk about. 
And the first little bit of that is I went to a concert with my brother Dave. We went and saw the 30th anniversary tour of the old 97s, or I guess just old 97s. There's not actually an article there, but, you know, plural noun, it's acceptable to put a the there even when there isn't a the. Uh, old 97s. Anyway, went to see their 30th anniversary tour, stopped by here in St. Louis at Del Mar Hall. I like Del Mar Hall. It's a much better venue than the pageant because Del Mar Hall seems to know what it is. Uh, the pageant doesn't know if it's a bar, a theater, a club, or what it is. Uh, but Del Mar Hall has really kind of nailed it in a way that the pageant never really has. So I was, I, we, we were in a venue that I enjoyed. So that, that's already a step in the right direction. I've uh, been a fan of the old 97s for several years now. I think I got in on the, uh, um, the Drag It Up record, I think, is the one that I came in on. And that wasn't the full 30 years ago, but it was probably close to 20. I mean, I'm not sure exactly when that came out, but that had to be close to 20 years ago. So I've been, I've been with this band for a while, and a fan of this band for a while. So nice to go see them doing a career-spanning set, and it was a very... You know, a compact, very tight, good, career-spanning set that they touched on a little bit of everything. First record, most recent record, and it was it was impressive to hear them do the newer stuff still because it would be very easy to just go in and do their greatest hits record and leave, you know? And people would be happy with that. I would be happy with that. But they did the new stuff too, which made me even happier. And uh, it's, it was just cool to see them again. It had been several years since I'd seen that band. And just, uh, uh, if you don't know who Old 97s are, they're a very Americana, kind of country rock type band, and just uh, just a cool, you know, fun, sort of sloppy rock band in a way that I like. And uh, visually now, they look like a college band that reunited at one of their daughter's weddings. That's what they look like now. And that, uh, I, I find that comforting. Like, that that makes me happy. But uh, they... they... <laughs> They play awesome rock music and with a little bit of a country twist to it, and I always really, really enjoy it. And it seemed like, seemed like the band was really having fun that night, and the crowd was really having fun and singing along. And I, I, I sang along and yelled stuff when I was supposed to. And it's been a while since I've done that. Like even when I went to see Paramore, it was twenty-two thousand people or whatever, you know, screaming the lyrics to every song. And I just kind of sat there soaking it in and enjoying it. Didn't sing along or anything. This show I sung along at. I don't know what the difference was, but I just felt like, yeah, I'm part of this. And uh, started yelling, what's so great about the Barrier Reef? Yeah, yeah, I was on board. Uh, and that's uh, that was fun. But it was uh, it's a good show. It was a really good show. And if you get a chance to see those guys, you, sh you should really see them. They're a lot of fun. And they just really, really great songs. Uh, the couple of things that I didn't love about the night is, uh, <laughs> because, you know, what's a great night without a couple of minor things that you can pick on? Uh, <laughs> uh, the merch, uh, there was a lot of merch, but none of it that I wanted was in my size. Like they just didn't have my size in any of the t-shirts that I wanted. Um, which, of which there were approximately two. He was like, oh, well, you got, I've only got like this in, in that size. They're like, oh, well then give me a hat, I guess. So I've got a hat. I got an old 97's hat now, uh, which is fine. I like the hat, but I would have liked it better on a t-shirt. The 30th anniversary t-shirt, they ran out of stock in the size I needed for the 30th anniversary tour. So, you know, whatever. But, so that was a thing, but barely a thing. It was just kind of like, ah, all right, I'll get a hat instead, which is actually fine because the hat, I think, was a little bit cheaper. And uh, as we mentioned, I've had some things going on lately. 
The other thing is, uh, this isn't even something you can blame on the pandemic. You know, this isn't like a pre- or post-COVID thing. Just, people have no idea how to act in a crowd. Like, if you get to a... Uh, I, I, and the, the, the problem is, it's a, a general admis- ad- admission show. That's the problem. General admission always sucks. Uh, give, me, give me a seat with a number on it, you know? Because general admission is just awful. Uh, so, in that crowd, look, here's the rule. Number one, all you tall fuckers go to the back. I don't care. All you tall fuckers go to the back. I understand. I know why that pisses you off. You're a tall fucker. Go to the back. Also, uh, if you see somebody that has clearly been standing there since 7 o'clock, uh, you don't get to elbow your way in front of them. You don't get to elbow your way to, like, stand directly in front of somebody who's been standing there since before you got to the fucking venue. You don't get to do that. And when people try it with me, I plant my feet as firm as I can, and they know that I'm not moving. Uh, there was a guy who zoomed in in front of me at one point, stood right in front of me, and my uh, elbow did not leave the small of his back, and he wasn't there for that long. I, I just don't stand for that, and people shouldn't stand for that, because that's, that's bullshit. I got here before you, I got closer than you, Go to the back with the tall fuckers. That's where you belong. You were late. I was on time, or at least more on time than you, and I earned my place. You go to the back. Get behind me. You came in after me. And also, uh, when the venue is emptying, when it's time to go home and people are leaving, fucking walk. Don't just stop and stand there in the middle of the room. Walk. You're in the way. You're holding up a massive sea of humanity fucking walk i understand that the bar is open for another hour but you are right in the way of everybody you need to fucking walk at least get over to the bar and those are my only complaints for the evening before the uh, whole show started we went to a place that we call the the euro place and i don't know the name of it in fact i was prepared to walk right by it because i don't remember what it looks like even it's pretty close to the to the uh, venue but i just i i never remember exactly where it is They've always uh, had good euros, and I thought about getting a euro, but then I saw that they had a Philly cheesesteak, and I went, ooh, Philly cheesesteak. I haven't had a Philly cheesesteak since, like, 2018. And yes, I know that. Uh, so I, <laughs> I ordered the Philly cheesesteak and had a really good Philly cheesesteak and then saw a band I really liked and only had a couple little minor things to quibble about that had nothing to do with the band. That's kind of a great evening. Enjoyed that quite a bit. Took home a hat. Probably, probably put a couple of photos of that up on the blog. I took some took some photos that night, got some decent ones. The bass player, Murray Hammond, by the way, one of the most underrated bass players in all of the genre, uh, he was wearing a really cool shirt that I, I want information on that shirt. So if, you, if you're the kind of person who is able to tell me stuff about a shirt, go on over to emptychecking.blogspot.com. Looking for a picture of a guy in a cool shirt? Tell me where you think he got it, because I want one of those shirts. So that was, uh, that was the experience watching the old 97's 30th anniversary show. It was a really good time. Had a good time hanging out with my brother. Had a good time hearing great rock music. And I've also been listening to a whole lot of rock music and not-so-rock music. Actually, this first thing isn't, like, super rock music. It's actually kind of in the same genre as the old 97's, kind of Americana-y. Uh, I've got a stack of CDs in front of me that I want to talk about. First one off the uh, pile is the new one by Beth Bambara. Bombara? Bombara? It's gotta be a Bombara. Sorry, I still don't know. I haven't figured it out. Uh, I talked about her when I talked about going to the uh, uh, Open Highway Music Festival. She played there. She put out a new record this month called It All Goes Up, the new Beth Bombara, It All Goes Up. 
really enjoyed it. Ten songs. The songs, I don't think there's one that goes over five minutes. They're all fairly concise and easily digestible. Uh, really fun listen. Good relaxing stuff. I mean, never never boils over. Doesn't get you, you know, like fired up and ready to fight or anything. But it's, uh, it's a good energy to it. Good, like, relaxed in places, but still kind of driving in others and... Uh, I really dig her voice, and I'm glad that she's still doing stuff. She's local. She's from St. Louis, but she's got a national footprint, and that's always cool. So 2023's new album by Beth Bombara, it all goes up. I haven't absorbed it quite enough yet to tell you much more than what I've already told you. I can't really dive into what my favorite songs are even, because right now I'm just kind of enjoying all of them and don't have like, oh, that's the standout from the album yet. Like, I, I haven't gotten to that point in my number of lessons yet. Right now, I'm just enjoying the whole damn album. And maybe I'll continue just enjoying the whole damn album. Every now and again, you get one of those. You just think of it as a single work and like, oh, I'm going to listen to all of that today rather than pull a few off onto a playlist, you know? I'm going to listen to that whole album. And that might be, this might be one of those albums. It's a really good one from somebody who I enjoyed seeing perform earlier this year and who I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm going to keep enjoying her music for years and years to come. And I, uh, I really like the one that she put out this year. Can't wait to see her again. Another one that I've got here in my little stack is a new album that is kind of an old album. It's, <laughs> it's an album that had been sort of rumored and talked about in certain circles for a long time and finally saw the light of day. It's by Gord Downey and Bob Rock. Gord Downey, of course, the lead singer of The Tragically Hip, who sadly passed away in, uh, what, 2017, 2016, something like that. And Bob Rock is Bob Rock. He's a producer who uh, has, I mean, he's produced The Hip before, but he's also produced, like, Metallica, played bass on Metallica's St. Anger. I don't know if I necessarily would highlight that on my resume, but he did. Uh, and, uh, he's, he's, produ he's produced a ton of people. If you have paid attention to music production since the eighties, you've heard Bob Rock's name. Uh, he and Gord Downey got together and they did an album together, obviously before Gord passed away. And it was rumored for a long time to be out there and just kind of unfinished. And Bob finally got, you know, got it together and finished it, I guess. And it's called, uh, Luster Parfait. And I'm uh, a big Tragically Hip fan. I came to the Tragically Hip late, but just before Gord uh, sadly passed away. But I, I, I did, you know, come to them kind of late. But I, when I get to a band like that, I dive in with uh, both feet. Which is not how you dive. But I did it, and uh, I, I became a huge fan of theirs. And I was excited that, oh, there's new music from Gord Downey I haven't heard yet. That's, that's going to be awesome. And really, Bob Rock's involved. You know, that's kind of, that's sort of what happened when I heard about the album. Uh, came out a little bit ago, but I sort of fell behind because this was a big deal release in Canada and not so much here. But uh, finally, finally got my hands on it, finally got it, Luster Parfait, and listened to it. And it was really nice to hear Gord's voice singing words I hadn't heard him sing before because I've heard everything else, you know. Like I, like I said, when I dive in, I dive in deep. And uh, it was just nice that, oh, hey, there's something new, you know, and that, that kind of made my heart happy. It's a little bit different because Bob Rock is involved, and uh, it's got, you, you can hear his fingerprint all over it. There are some very 1980s uh, decisions made in some of the production that just are absolutely Bob Rock choices. But uh, that's not to say that they're bad, it's just that I noticed them because I... 
I, and here's the thing. I don't think most of you listening will, but I spend a lot of my time thinking about production and thinking about how things are mixed. And that's, there are just things that jumped out at me on this release of like, oh, that's a very 1980s choice. Well, Bob Rock did it. I keep mispronouncing rock. I keep saying rock. Uh, I, I, I keep pronouncing, pronouncing it like R-A-W-K, but whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I like it. I, I don't want to sound like I don't like it. I'm just pointing out that there are a couple things where you go, well, that's an interesting use of keyboards, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but all, all things considered, it's new music with Gord Downey singing. And so I'm very happy with it. And I had a really good time with it. It's one of those things that once I got my car back, I made it a point to have somewhere to go so that I could pop in this 14-track album and hear all of it, you know, and just have kind of a, a a nice time listening to it while driving, and it worked very well. I enjoyed it very much. On my way home, I stopped and I got an Italian sandwich, and I had a good day. That's That's really all you can ask of music. And Gord Downey and Bob Rock on the Luster Parfait album... Made me have a good day. So, that's good news. I'm happy with that album. Another album with which I'm happy that honestly caught me off guard how much I liked it. I hadn't heard it yet, and then I was in my brother's car, and he said, Hey, have you heard this yet? And I said, No, I haven't. And he popped it in and started playing it, and I just went, Wow, that's really great. That's one of the best albums I'm going to hear this year. It's the new one by Mammoth WVH. That's Wolfgang Van Halen, if you're wondering. Uh, Mammoth 2. Mammoth 2 has hit us. Wolvie's new one. Uh, on his first album, Mammoth, he had steered clear a little bit of a lot of the guitar solo-y stuff that everybody sort of wanted him to do as Eddie Van Halen's son. But on this one, he leans into it. He's doing a lot more of the solos. You can hear his dad's influence all over this. You can hear the Van Halen influence all over this. Mammoth 2 is just a really fucking good rock album. Really good fucking guitar rock album. And that's that's becoming a dying art form, and Wolvie has the chance to revive it. And thank God for him. You know, here's the thing. I'm a Sammy-era Van Halen fan. I know, but shut up, because I'm right. I'm a Sammy-era Van Halen fan. I really love Van Hagar. I love yeah, 5150 through Balance. That's That's my Van Halen. And after Sammy got ousted from the band, or whatever side you believe there, uh, they brought in uh, David Lee Roth. Michael Anthony also departed from the band in whatever version of the facts you believe there. And they brought in Wolfgang to play bass. And when they did that, something really reprehensible happened that was not Wolfgang's fault. Somebody in the Van Halen camp took the old Van Halen record covers and, and photos and stuff and photoshopped out Michael Anthony and photoshopped in Wolfgang Van Halen. Which is a really shitty thing to do and a really insulting thing and that solidified me in thinking like, well, clearly Van Halen are the bad guys, you know? Even though, you know, you get a third Van Halen into Van Halen and that's even more Van Halen than it's ever been, that's a fair thing to do, but just to take a guy out of photos and put in the new guy, you know, the new kid. Uh, I'll be honest with you, for years and years, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about Wolfgang Van Halen. And I want to say this. Uh, this is proof of growth as a human being. I was wrong. 
That wasn't his decision. He didn't say, hey, Photoshop me into all these photos. You know what? Give me 10 minutes. I'm going to Photoshop myself into all of these photos. But that, that wasn't him. That wasn't his choice. He played bass with his dad and his uncle. You know, that's, that's what he did. He joined a band that had his name on it. And he did an, a perfectly good job. I heard some of the recordings. He did a perfectly good job doing that. I just love Michael Anthony. Michael Anthony's one of my favorite bass players. And here's this kid getting photoshopped over him. And I got mad at... I mean, I got mad at Alan Eddy. And Wolfgang just kind of got some of the brunt of that as well. Because he was in the band. To no fault of his own, really. <laughs> and uh, so for a long time, I had a chip on my shoulder about the kid. And by kid, I mean, what? man slightly younger than me um <laughs> he's he's a grown adult uh and yeah I, I don't know i carried that around for a little while but like on on his first album release i listened to it and went oh he's actually pretty good and i didn't get super into that one because i was kind of like you yeah, know it's it's fine but you know whatever and just wasn't in the headspace to absorb it and i guess i'm just in the headspace to absorb this one because it's really fucking good and it's so good that hey you know what all is forgiven now i'm michael anthony is still going to be one of my favorite bass players i'm ride or die with mikey and sammy uh but wolfgang had no part in that all he did was show up and play bass in a great band that's all he did and now he's writing great music of his own and putting out great albums of his own and this guy deserves to have former Van Halen fans, be a huge fan of his. So, I'm going to do that. I'm going to drop all the bullshit that everybody needs to drop, and I'm just going to embrace Wolfgang Van Halen as the excellent songwriter, excellent musician, and apparently really good person that he is. Check out Wolfgang Van Halen's new album, Mammoth, WVH, Mammoth 2 is the name of the album. It's a really great listen. If you're a Van Halen fan, you need to be listening to this. Is it Van Halen? No, absolutely not. It's Wolfgang. And he's great on his own. If Van Halen didn't exist, okay, fine, he probably wouldn't have had any of the advantages, he might not have made it. But if Van Halen didn't exist, he would still be a great fucking musician writing great fucking songs. Give him a chance. If you've walked around with the same chip on your shoulder that I've had on mine, get the chip off your shoulder, pick up the CD, and put it in your ears. Put the music in. Don't put the CD in your ears. That'll hurt your ears. Uh, download it. You can do download as well, I guess. Or there's probably vinyl. Listen to the songs. I had something good going there and just fucked it up. So let's move on from here and see what else I can fuck up. So the next and final uh, thing that I'm going to fuck up is I want to talk to you about the new album by Extreme. You know, Extreme. The new album is called Six, because it's their sixth album. Only six albums out of a band that's been around since the 90s. Uh, you know Extreme. You remember Extreme, right? Most of you, when I say Extreme, one specific song pops into your head, and you're singing it now. Saying I love you is not the words I want to blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that, that, that band. But if that's the song that you know, you're wrong. Because that's really not a good representation of who Extreme is overall. 
they're a rock band. They're a guitar-driven rock band with one of the all-time great guitar players, Nuno Betancourt, just ripping up awesome electric leads. When I hear the band name Extreme, the song that comes to my mind is a song off their fourth album, Waiting for the Punchline, and that song's called Cynical. And it's a uh, hard-driving rock song. That entire album is kind of hard-driving rock songs, and most of their albums are hard-driving rock songs. Uh, you've probably got the wrong impression of Extreme to begin with. Uh, they're on their sixth album now. Took them a while to get there. Gary Sharone took a brief hiatus from the band and joined Van Halen uh, in there <laughs> at one point between... Sammy and Dave and Dave again. You got uh, you got Gary for a little bit on the Van Halen three album, which I maintain is a much better album than anybody gave it credit for. I really liked it. I saw them perform live under that lineup, and it was great. And I will die on the hill of Gary Sharon was a very good frontman for that band. Just the world wasn't ready for that. The world didn't want that. And I can't say that the world was wrong about that, but what I can say is it was a lot better than the world gave it credit for being, or even than the band itself gave it credit for being. I really like that that sort of project. They just probably should have called it something other than Van Halen, and it would have been fine, you know? But anyway, uh, Gary Sharon got picked for that band because he already came out of a band that had one of the world's great guitarists in it, writing some of the world's great driving guitar rock songs, and that band was extreme. They put out six this year, and there's been a lot of buzz about it. Like, everybody I know who's into that kind of music has said, uh, have you heard the new Extreme yet? Have you heard the new Extreme yet? It's really good. You should hear the new Extreme. You should, like, you gotta pick up the new Extreme. It's really good. And uh, I had trouble finding it. Just my record stores weren't carrying it because it's the new Extreme. And when someone says Extreme, the cool indie record stores in their head, they hear, saying, I love you, and they don't order the new Extreme. But if you're a download person, it was easy to find. If you're an Amazon person, you order it off Amazon and it comes to your house and you pop it in and you have a good time. It's, uh, what is it, 10 songs long? It's 12 songs long and it's, uh, it's mostly a good time. I was personally blown away by it because their previous effort was called, uh, what, Sadad de Rock, uh, a French word, I think it's Sadad. I apologize if I don't know that for those of you who actually speak the language. Uh, you know, a title that doesn't make any sense in the language that their main audience speaks, and an album that didn't really resonate with most people who heard it. Uh, which is unfair and fair and whatever. Uh, I felt the same way about that album as everybody else did. So when I heard they were doing a new one, I went, well... We'll see. I'll probably pick it up at some point. And then everybody's like, have you heard the new Extreme? And, uh, alright, fine. So I picked it up, and I listened to it, and immediately just went, wow, this is exactly what I wanted it to be. You know? It's uh, very, uh, you know, guitar-driven, and it's very kind of 90s guitar-driven. And I don't mean in the grunge way, I mean in, in the extreme way, you know? And there's some real 90s production creeping in there, which could be a criticism of it, honestly, that it sounds very 90s, but, you know, what's it supposed to sound like? You know, although Waiting for the Punchline is probably my favorite Extreme album, and that doesn't sound quite as extreme as the other albums, but uh, whatever. So there, there are a few production things that, honestly, I probably would have done differently. And there are two songs on it that I just don't have time for. Uh, one of the songs is called Small Town Beautiful, which 
I don't think plays very well lyrically in this day and age. Structurally and musically, there's nothing wrong with it. But lyrically, they keep referring to someone as being small town beautiful. And that's... I think the song is well-intentioned, but tone-deaf, because small town beautiful, I've only ever heard that phrase used two ways. And uh, the first way is, oh, she's she's small town beautiful. She's the kind of beautiful that's beautiful in a small town, but if she goes to a big city, nobody cares. That's one way that it's used, which is pretty insulting. And the other way that it's used is, oh, she's small town beautiful. She's so pretty that it doesn't matter that she's a terrible person. That's the other way I've heard that used. Neither one of those is complimentary. Neither one of those is something that, what, 50-year-old men should be saying about a woman in 2023. Uh, the, you know, like I said, I think, I think that they meant well in what they were trying to say in the lyric, but just comes across really tone-deaf and sticks out like a sore thumb as being just from a different time, and, like, I don't like that song. I don't like the way that it, it presents itself. Uh, similarly, there's a song toward the end of the album called Beautiful Girls that I think also comes across as tone-deaf, but I also just think it comes across as really cheesy. It just seems like, oh, this belongs on the first Extreme album, not on the sixth one in 2023. That's just sort of how I feel about it. But there are ten other songs on the album that I think are great. So what? Ten out of twelve is, what, like 80... Somewhere between 80 and 85% of the album I like. So that's a solid B. That's 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 solid. From th That's a solid B album, maybe a B plus, from a band that most of you haven't talked about since, like, 1993. That's a win. That's a good album. If you're an Extreme fan, you should really check it out. And if all you know of Extreme is uh, that I love you is not the words I want to hear from you, which the syntax of that is terrible, but that's what they say in that song. If all you know about that band is that I love you is not the words they want to hear from you, give this one a shot. You might be very, very surprised. Actually, give Waiting for the Punchline a shot. You'll be shocked. But... Six is a six is probably the album that should have followed Punchline. It's really good, and they're out on tour right now, and I have some friends that saw them in Cedar Rapids, and I wish I'd have gone with them, because uh, they definitely had a really good time, because you got a band who's been around for, what, 30 years now, that's still doing really cool stuff. That's always good news, you know? The album landed with me in a big way. I really liked it, with those couple little exceptions. That, honestly, on, on an Extreme album, there's always going to be those couple little exceptions in 2023. There's always going to be a couple things with that kind of band where you go, well, that that song's from a different time, you know? <laughs> That's just always going to happen, and that definitely happens on this album. But even despite that, I really, really like this album. It's going to be one of my favorites of the year. Spoiler alert for the top 10, you know, at the end of the year, or maybe the Fab 15. Maybe we'll do a Fab 15 albums of 2023 remains to be seen depends what mine and dave's december looks like but uh it's going to be on some list or another probably for me <laughs> at the end of the year the new album by extreme so that's all the music i wanted to talk about had quite a bit of it there but i think we got through it pretty well i've been having a really good time listening to really awesome stuff lately and maybe you should give some of that a shot too because uh i think that i'm right about all of it so really what have you got to lose you who could also be right if you chose to be. Give this stuff a shot. The worst that's going to happen is you go, eh, and then have me tell you you're wrong about that. So 
really, what have you got to lose other than, I guess, whatever you spend on it? Go, go to Spotify. Listen to it on Spotify first, and then when you like it, buy it from somewhere that benefits the artist. Do that. That's what I do sometimes if I'm unsure. Uh, but you should be sure about all of this stuff, because I'm sure about it. And I'm your Uncle Derek, and you should listen to me. have a couple of movies that I want to talk about here this week because I watched them. And I think that's a good reason to talk about them. I'm going to try to avoid major spoilers on either one. I That's going to be hard for me because I'm, I don't care about spoilers. But they're both still so new and one of them has been kind of hard to get access to. So I, I don't want to yeah, for anybody who listens to this thing and, and is going to go out and watch these, I don't necessarily want to spoil it for anybody. So I'm going to try to avoid spoilers, but still give you my take on them. So, wish me luck. The first one is a movie that is very near and dear to my heart, because it's Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon Heart, the Venture Brothers movie that came out to sort of tie a ribbon around the whole franchise and just kind of kind of bid it farewell. Because what happened is the guys who write the Venture Brothers, uh, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public, they were writing season eight, what would have been season eight, and the Adult Swim people contacted them and said, yeah, hey, your show's canceled. And uh, they let that be known, and it broke all of our hearts because season seven ended on a cliffhanger, and we had questions. And, uh, I mean, we have questions going back seasons and seasons, but... It, uh, it just kind of broke everybody's heart, and it broke the creator's hearts as well, but then they were given a movie. They were given a special that was supposed to be an hour long. It eventually grew to be an hour and 23 minutes, and even then... yeah, I, You know what? I feel like that's half a season. Just give them the other hour and a half and do season eight and let us all go home happy. Instead, they had to kind of condense everything into one movie. They, from listening to the commentary, what I understand is they did not just take what was going to be season eight and make the movie. They sort of took what they knew had to be major beats in season eight and also what had to be major beats to conclude the franchise and just started, you know, waves up the sand. They had been doing season eight, but they had to go back to the genesis of the wave and and start again. You know, it's kind of what I understand happened. So season seven left us with many questions, including the whereabouts of Hank Venture. Like, we weren't sure what was going on in the Venture family. And this this movie, Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon Heart, which is absolutely a Doc Hammer title. Like, the, the, it, it barely ties in to the show at all. But uh, it, uh, it this movie came out to kind of give all of us who needed closure on the franchise closure on the franchise, because I've been watching this bullshit for 20 years. Uh, 23 years, I think, they said, in the run, in the uh, commentary. I think it's been a 23-year run, and I've been there since season one. You know, so I, I needed this movie, and I needed it to be good. And Venture fans, it's good. It, it's good. 
you won't you won't be disappointed. The only thing that you'll be disappointed about is that there isn't more of it. That's the only thing that you're going to be disappointed about. But you get a ton if you get the uh, Blu-ray because I tracked down the Blu-ray because I I I think you all know I love a physical product and I love extra features. And if you get the Blu-ray, you get plenty of extra features. You get uh, an interview with the show creators with uh, uh, John Hodgman. You get creator commentary. You get uh, Doc and Jackson answering questions as a second commentary track. You get plenty of those guys talking, which is really all that you want if you're a Venture fan. Uh, The plot synopsis on the back of the box here reads as follows. Doc's latest invention will either bankrupt Team Venture or launch them to new heights as Hank searches for himself, Dean searches for Hank, the Monarch searches for answers, and a mysterious woman from their past threatens to bring their entire world crashing down on them. And that's actually a pretty good summary. You do get answers. You do get a lot of the answers that you've been waiting for. You get the answer to who was Hank and Dean's mom. You get the answer to what the hell happened at the end of last season. You get the answer to what is the actual relationship between Rusty and the Monarch. You get a lot of the big answers that you've been wanting. And I gotta say, pretty fulfilling. It's pretty much, it put a good bow on it for me. And I've had a little bit of time to think about it, because I I actually watched this two weeks before I recorded this episode, because I just, I needed to live with it for a little while, you know? And now that I've lived with it for a little while, I'm happy with it. I'm not happy that there's no more Venture Brothers. I want more Venture Brothers. I want, you know, I, I just want more of Doc and Jackson. If those two assholes want to start up a podcast, I will listen to them talk about uh, tea cakes and what what is their favorite Bowie costume and what kind of cabinetry should go into your kitchen. I will listen to them talk about that bullshit all day long because the commentary tracks are some of my favorite parts of the Venture Brothers releases. It's very possible that the entire persona that I present on this podcast is basically just a Venture Brothers character. It's basically just Doc and Jackson talking has turned into me. Like that I I it's it's amazing how often I find myself in conversation just randomly breaking into a Sergeant Hatred impression. I, I just it just happens. Or like I find myself talking like the the henchman or whatever. I just I'm really I love those guys so much, and they've been part of my life for 20 years. I want to hear more of those two idiots talking to each other. And by idiots, I mean men who are brilliant, and I deeply respect them. But, you know, I'm, I'm, de- I'm deflecting some emotion here. I, I, I want to hear those guys keep talking to each other and keep hanging out. I love their relationship. And that's the part that sort of breaks my heart about this whole thing. I really liked the movie, but it's also making me think about like all the stuff that I'm not going to get going forward. Like all the stuff that's just kind of over now. So, Team Venture, all of us, Team Venture out there, let's, uh, let's get in Adult Swim's ear. Let's get another movie. Let's get another season. Let's get another something. I gotta have more Doc and Jackson, you know? Really happy with the movie. Really made me happy. And I, I think if you're a Venture fan, get caught up in your Season 7, because that's sort of where it picks up, but it's, uh, it's worth it. I think, he, I, think it's, I think it still works even if you haven't seen Season 7, but Season 7 was pretty critical for me in my enjoyment of this. It, 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 it tied, a lot of, tied up a lot of loose ends for me, and it made me really happy. And if you're a Venture person, if you're Team Venture out there, you... 
you owe it to yourself to to get the bow wrapped around the franchise because who who knows if we'll get more? We we probably won't. But I'm I'm very glad that we got what we got, and I'm very glad that we got Radiant as the blood of the baboon heart. Uh, and I'm very grateful for Doc and Jackson. They've provided me a lot of laughs and a lot of happiness, sometimes right in the middle of some really serious shit. i deeply grateful to those guys. I love those guys. I love the art that they made. And uh, I don't know. I hope that this finds its way to them uh, at some point so they can hear me say that. Um, Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. Radiant is the Venture Brothers. And the last but not least thing that I want to talk about in this particular episode, I guess, at least before we get into the outro, I talk about more stuff in the outro every time. I don't know why I think this is the end of the show. Uh, I watched the new Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid City. Uh, I'm a Wes Anderson fan. I'm late in coming to Wes Anderson, but I'm a fan. And uh, I've seen everything, so I had to see this. What a cast. Like, everybody in Hollywood, except for Bill Murray, is in this thing. Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, Lee Schreiber, Hope Davis, Stephen Park, Rupert Friend, Maya Hawke, Steve Carell, Matt Dillon, Hong Chow, Willem Dafoe, Margot Robbie, Jake Ryan, Tony Revolery, and Jeff Goldblum. That's the cast list as is listed on the front of the box. That alone should make you want to see the movie. The movie is basically a town that once got hit with an asteroid, has a gathering of young scientists come to it to celebrate that and whatnot, and hijinks ensue. I don't think I'm giving away too much in saying including a visit from aliens. I think that that's a perfectly fine thing to put in there. It's not the entire crux of the movie. It's not a massive spoiler in the movie. It happens, I think, in Act 2 of 3. So, you know. In fact, maybe at the end of Act 1. Which you would think that would be easy to remember, because Wes Anderson has a habit of labeling his acts on the screen. So, <laughs> anyway, it happens. Uh, it's a kind of a play within a movie, or a play within a TV show within a movie is sort of the structure of it. Needlessly pretentious, needlessly complicated in that Wes Anderson way, but it works and manages to be charming and fun. And uh, my ultimate review of, of this is something that I texted to a friend, that it feels like he tried to make a Warner Brothers cartoon meets a Coen Brothers movie and didn't quite get there, but I enjoyed it, you know? Like, there were a couple of things that made me laugh out loud that you know, got me and I, I had a lot of fun with. And there was some stuff that didn't work for me very well and that I kind of thought was gratuitous or just unnecessary. Uh, but ultimately, I like watching Tom Hanks play somebody slightly uh, off-putting, and he does that in this. It's not a major part of the movie, but he's in it. Uh, I like watching Steve Carell just show up and be Steve Carell. I, I like watching Jason Schwartzman be Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson be Scarlett Johansson. Uh, they had a lot of people in this thing that I just naturally like and i liked watching them do stuff and it was a fun movie and a good way to kill a little bit of time let me put it to you this way if you like wes anderson you'll walk out liking this movie if you don't like wes anderson you're going to feel like it was a pretentious waste of time that's just the kind of movie he makes now you like it or you don't and uh, is it going to be your favorite wes anderson movie probably not 
It's not mine, but I like it. It's way better than Bottle Rocket. And really, that's all I ask of a Wes Anderson movie, is just be better than Bottle Rocket, and we'll be fine. And we're fine. Asteroid City was a good time. It was... It's it's just kind of... If nothing else, it's nice to see the kind of movie that has that big-ass Hollywood ensemble cast, and they're doing stuff, you know? <laughs> and it's all kind of fun and funny, and... Yeah, yeah it, it, it worked for me, you know? Because I'm a Wes Anderson fan. But if you're not a Wes Anderson fan, you'll go, how did he get all these names into this terrible movie? Like, those are the two reactions. You're going to have one of those reactions. Either, yeah, that was fine, it was a perfectly good Wes Anderson movie, or why did people give this money to be made? Like, th those are the two reactions that you could have watching this movie. I had the I'm a Wes Anderson fan reaction. Yours might be different. It's hard to say until you watch it. So watch it. It's out on Blu-ray and DVD now, and I think you can still get it on streaming stuff and whatnot. It might still be in theaters somewhere. I don't know how quick movies turn around anymore. I was shocked to find that the Blu-ray was available. But, you know, in whatever form you want to watch it, do that and make your own decisions, I guess. Thanks. checkmates that's pretty much the show we're we're kind of wrapping up here i do have one thing that i i don't know i think i need to talk about that a friend who's also a listener of the show uh texted me about this and asked me if i'd heard about it and asked me if i was going to say anything about it on the show and uh i think i have to just, I, I, I debated about it, I debated about when to do it, how to do it, if I was going to do it, and then I kind of got that text and went, okay, I have to say something. Um, I think you all know, probably, or can assume, I'm an Alice Cooper fan. Uh, Alice made some unfortunate comments this past week, at least I view them as unfortunate, uh, about trans people. He, uh, in... In fairness, he began his comments with, I understand that there are examples of trans people, but... And we all know that everything before the word but is always bullshit. But I am hoping that the fact that he led with, I understand that there are examples of trans people. I'm hoping the fact that he said that means that he can be reasoned with and his heart can change. However... He went on from there to say that uh, he thought that, uh, and I'm I'm not quoting directly here. I'm I'm reducing and summarizing. He basically said that he thought that uh, uh, declaring yourself to be trans right now is a fad, and that he is concerned about kids going under the knife for permanent surgeries, which. Very few doctors are doing, uh, the, very, very few, that there's a whole medical practice and insurance practice built around not letting that kind of thing happen. 
uh, he uh, went on to question, quote, the whole woke thing. He made some very disappointing comments for, especially for a man who has been referring to himself by a woman's name for the past 50 years. He made some very disappointing comments. Uh, I've known for years that Alice Cooper is a conservative. That's been clear for a very long time. Uh, going back, I mean, even before this, but going back at least to when he referred to Sarah Palin as a breath of fresh air. That's who we're dealing with. Um, I've been disappointed in his political views for a long time. I thought, based on who he has always presented himself to be, that maybe his social views were in greater line with the correct side of history. I was very, very disappointed this week to find that, at least in the case of gender equality, that does not appear to be true. Um, that said, we are in a difficult time right now. People... It, 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 there are plenty of people who are confused about their own sexuality right now because gender and sexuality is being rewritten right now. So I, I, not everybody has all of the answers. Not everybody has all of the right definitions. Not everybody has all of the right vocabulary. I understand all of these things. Uh, there, there is room for grace. There is room for mercy. There is room for understanding if someone's heart is in the right place. Alice Cooper said... That being trans is a fad. Alice Cooper has a new album that came out on Friday. It's called Road. I did not buy it, even though I was in a record store. Until his position is publicly reversed. Or until, God forbid, the time of his passing. I will not be purposely spending another dime on Alice Cooper releases, materials, performances, or otherwise. I'm very sorry to say that. I can't tell you how hard it is for me to say that. I can't tell you how much it breaks my heart to say that. I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed in someone that, for years, I've looked up to, for years, I've admired, I've covered his songs... I have gone to Halloween costumes with my face painted up like his. Those memories are not tainted by this. You can still have a pure enjoyment of something in the past that maybe in the present you can't enjoy in the same way going, going forward. I, I don't regret any of my past album purchases or face paint experiments or anything like that. Those are all good memories. It's very, very likely that come Halloween, I'll still listen to the Welcome to My Nightmare album. But going forward, he's not receiving new money from me until his position publicly changes or until the time of his passing, which I do not wish upon him. I hope for his heart to change long before that happens. Uh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. That's, that's harder for me than Clapton. That's harder for me than John Cleese. That's harder for me than Graham Linehan. 
This is a hard one. I hope Alice walks that back, you know? Like, even... Even if he privately wants to keep thinking that way, I hope for the good of the public, he publicly says otherwise. Just to stop hurting people. I hope that it at least matters to him that he stop hurting people. It's sad. It's a sad thing. This show's position is strongly pro-trans, pro-LGBTQIA+. I say that at the end of every episode. I do not stand for bigotry of any kind on the show where I can see it. Uh, I'm sure there's even some in my own heart that I'm unaware of, and as I become aware of it, I am doing my best to stamp it out. I, I, I will not financially support those who openly say things like Alice Cooper said. And I wanted to say that because I know that there are several people out there to, who need allies and to whom... Well, look, a lot of you have sent me emails saying that you appreciate that I have been an ally to to you and to your people or your 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 group or your gender your gender class or uh, so many of you have reached out to me over the years and just said, you know, thanks and uh, it would be an absolute disservice to you if I bought Alice Cooper's new album. I I would be an absolute hypocrite if I did that and I'm not going to do that even though I've been a fan for a very long time. I have great memories of seeing that guy live, man. I have great memories of seeing that guy live. To those of you who have appreciated my stance over the past several years, especially these past several years, as things have gotten so ugly, uh, I want to do right by you. You deserve to have people do right by you. You are valued, you are loved, you are appreciated, you are perfect just how you are. And if Alice doesn't think so, then Alice can take that up with his creator, because he ain't going to be hearing from me. Sorry, Vince, but you fucked this one up. And I'm mad. I'm mad about that. I'm heartbroken, I'm sad, and I'm angry that I can't buy the new Alice Cooper album. That breaks my heart. That pisses me off. If you're a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, I stand with you and I always will. And if it ever sounds like I don't, please correct me and I will change what I have said. And I will change my behavior because you are worth it. And I needed to say that, and I know that's kind of a heavy way to end the show, but I needed to say that, and there are people out there who I think need to hear that, and I, 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 I don't know. This is a tough one for me, and it's a tough one for several of you out there, but I'm not going to say, you know, everybody out there, go and do likewise or whatnot, but you probably should. Alice Cooper said things that deserved to be greeted with a poor album sale. He just did. I hope Alice Cooper repents, and I hope the rest of us one day don't have to talk about any of this shit anymore. We can just accept and love each other, and even if we don't understand each other, we can realize that it's none of our fucking business. You're just a person, 
And as a person, I owe you respect, and I owe you honor, and I owe you support, and I owe you kindness, and that's all that matters. I hope we get there within my lifetime. I feel like we've been close a couple of times in my lifetime, but we keep fucking it up. We keep electing the wrong people. I hope we get there in my lifetime. Thanks for uh, listening to me say all that. Thanks for, well, thanks to so many of you who agree and understand, and those of you who it directly impacts to hear me say that. I support you, I care about you, and if there's anything I can do to support you better, db at derekbrink.com. Email me and I will, I will do whatever I can. Okay? Thanks a lot, Checkmates. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I know this is a heavy way to go out, but it's just kind of how we're going out this week. Because I had to say something, and this seemed like the most appropriate time to do it. So thanks for listening. I hope you had fun on all of the other parts of the show. <laughs> I, I know I certainly did. Really, really appreciate everybody kind of hanging in there with me during the serious parts. I hope you had fun during the fun parts. I uh, hope to talk to you again real soon. My brother and I are going to be recording a uh, Fab 15 here, uh, I think, later this same week as I'm talking to you. It'll be the Fab 15 Overplayed Songs. And I know what you're thinking. If they're overplayed, then in what way is that, Fab? Listen to the episode and we will tell you. Uh, so that'll be fun. We're going to do that. There'll probably be another episode in, like, like between that, between, like, now and then. Uh, maybe two. Who knows? I have no idea how long that's going to take to edit. We talk for a long time when we do, when we do Fab 15 episodes. Uh, I talked for a long time tonight, so we'll see exactly what happens. But we're going to do that. I plan to be back with you next week, uh, on my own at least, if not the both of us, depending on what happens. You know how life is. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. Uh, there's nothing left to say but the stuff that I always say and that I always mean from the bottom of my heart. Checkmates, uh, please do whatever keeps you happy, healthy, and safe. Please remember that black lives matter, that LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights. Also, please remember that women's rights are human rights, and I shouldn't have to tell you any of that, Alice Cooper. And checkmates, be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. Go Team Venture! <laughs>